Hello and welcome to the latest Ocean State Sidelines podcast. My name is Brandon McGear, sports writer with the Pawtucket Times when soccer call. Once again, joined by my co-pilot, Will Gagan, sports editor of The Independent. It's Thursday morning as we record this podcast, and we're going to start with the hottest team among the Rhode Island College Basketball Division I units, and that would be the Rhodey Rams. Big game Friday night, Will. Rhodey Rams, seven wins in a row, and hosting VCU on Friday night at the Ryan Center. Going to be a big one. Uh, VCU is also hot. Uh, they've kind of put it back together after losing to URI. Um, so they're playing well. They've won four in a row. It's kind of a battle for second place, maybe a battle for second team with at-large hopes uh, in the A-10. Uh, but but either way, URI riding high at this point. Seven in a row. They, they did that the, the last two on the road at St. Bonaventure at George Mason. Took care of business at Mason. Bonaventure, a tough place to play. They were down at halftime. Came back and won. Big win for them there. Uh, and they're getting votes in the top 25. I mean, things, th- this turnaround, not that they were, you know, deep in a hole, but you lose to Brown, you lose to Richmond, I think had a lot of people wondering where they were going. They haven't lost since. They've been no, terrific. No, they've been terrific. And I think, you know, the best way to sum it up is they're, they're taking care of business. Yep. They're beating the teams that they should. And, of course, that VCU game down there, that was huge as well because I think that got people more believing once again. Yes, agreed. About them. And, uh, you know, since then they've played, you know, St. Joseph's, LaSalle. LaSalle, they were kind of life and death with them for a little bit. Yep. You know, they, you know, Duquesne, they blew out, went up to St. Bonaventure, and then just this past Tuesday night taking care of George Mason. They're beating the teams that they should. It was kind of like the, what they did for the most part during the non-conference yeah, season. And uh, they're kind of still looking for that signature win. And But I think a sweep over VCU, if they're able to get it on Friday night, that will go a long way in terms of maybe them feeling good about their at-large chances going to the A-10 tournament. I would agree. I think... You know, it, it's going to trend in the direction. I think it, it usually does the A10 getting at least two into the into the field with at at large, um, maybe three. If you beat VCU twice, you're you're looking at being that second team, uh, regardless of what happens in the Dayton games. If you then beat Dayton once in your in your two meetings with them, I think I think the Rams could write their ticket at that point. But I think they could still feel pretty good with a win over VCU and. With no other losses. If you just lose to Dayton, maybe you can lose at Davidson. That one probably doesn't hurt you that much. Um, but if you win all those other games, you go into the A-10 tournament, it, uh, that would put them 15-3 and three in the conference. That that seems like an NCAA tournament team to me. But the one thing about the URI schedule going forward, they have 10 games left, including Friday night. Five are in, games inside the top 100 of the Ken Palm. Yep. And if you go by the metrics... You know, URI can ill afford to like slip up against like a Massachusetts, a George Washington, when St. Joseph's comes here in a couple of weeks when they when they face Fordham later on, and then they have to play UMass again. Those are the games that you have, obviously you have to take care of. Maybe the formula will be you have to split with Dayton. Mm-hmm. I would think that might be the the ticket to make everyone yeah, feel good. Yeah, I think good. that's yeah, that's the to for the peace of mind for roadie fans would be a split with Dayton definitely. Because I'm sure you're getting people asking, oh, what do they have to do to uh, get in the tournament? What's the magic formula? Well, there really isn't a magic formula because it feels like it changes every other day. It really does. Yeah, we. I mean, we talked about this at the after the Brown loss. People were saying, oh, there go their at large hopes. And it just doesn't really work that way. It's no. there, as long as there are games left to play and opportunities left on the schedule, you can make things happen. I mean, the, the 2017 team, URI team, that kind of broke, broke that long tournament drought, they were dead in the water. Lost to Fordham 
in February and came back and they were going to be an at-large team. They were going to be in the first four, but they were going to be an at-large team even if they hadn't won the A-10 tournament. So if you just keep winning uh, in the A-10 at that level, you give, give yourself a chance. Uh, so as, as we look at Friday night's game, um, you know, VCU, URI has, has had a lot of success against VCU lately. They have, have owned that game, which is uh, pretty impressive considering you know, what VCU was before and, and still is, is one of the, the bullies of the conference. Um, but URI has been able to kind of bully them. I think they match up well. I think they're, they're two teams that, that play a lot of defense, that defense is the hallmark. And offense can be a struggle at times, and I think UR- VCU tends to struggle against URI's offense more than URI struggles against VCU's uh, defense, uh, because in part because Fats Russell and Jeff Dowden are such veteran guards, they're not going to turn the ball over that much, uh, and that's what VC- VCU kind of thrives on. Well, going back to the first meeting when URI went down to a VCU and won, URI held uh, their opponents at 31% from the floor, 21% from three. I'm sure... Uh, the VCU coaching staff will remind their players of those numbers as they make their way up to Kingston thinking, um, and you go back to last year's Atlantic 10 uh, tournament contest, mm-hmm. it just feels like it's been a while since the Commodores have uh, gotten the better of URI. And, uh, you know, I think uh, um, VCU is playing better, uh, certainly. They've, they've won their four, four in a row uh, against Bonaventure, St. Joe's, LaSalle, and then a big one uh, against Richmond, another kind of you know, chance in it for a, for a second place leg up. Um, you know, they they blew out Richmond one by nineteen. Richmond's a team that URI lost to, so they they may have it going a little bit more than they had it uh, the last time URI saw them. So uh, so I think it'll be a good, really good one uh, Friday night. That's a, a seven o'clock game on ESPN two, and last I heard, not many tickets available uh, at the Ryan Center. Uh, just before we uh, switch gears and talk about other items in college basketball land, uh, Tyrese Martin well, really stood out to me. I think, uh, you know, we know about Jeff Dow, we know about Cyril Angevin, we know about Fats Russell. You, you were looking for that fourth cog to kind of join those three, and he really looks like he has during Atlantic 10 play. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, he came on so much last year and has been pretty steady this year other than than struggling to shoot from the outside a little bit. Uh, he had, you know, three-point range, uh, in January, he was, you know, he starts out with an over three at Brown. He he made basically made two three pointers in the first one, two, three, four, seven games of January. Um, he was still doing all his other stuff. He rebounds well. He plays defense, um, but he's starting to shoot well from the outside now. And, and all of a sudden, he's got you know eighteen points at George Mason. He had fourteen at St Bonaventure. Playing really well, and he gives the Rams. I mean, they have four really good players. Like they have, th- you know, three guys who are all conference. Fats Russell's a player of the year, if not for Obi Toppin, um, Jeff Dowden, and Cyril Langevin. You know, maybe they're not playing. They're putting up, maybe not putting up the best numbers of their career, but they're that level of player. And, and Tyrese Martin is joining them. He's he's playing really well, uh, especially lately. We'll switch gears and now talk about the uh, PC Friars who are going the opposite direction of. URI Rams. It seems like one or the other is it's always it's, opposites it's, it's this all, year. <laughs> totally opposites and uh, I think uh, you know Ed Cooley talked about after their uh, four point loss to Villanova this past Saturday that they're in the midst of a bye week right now. It was coming at a good time. You know sometimes you ask coaches does it come at a good time do you want to keep playing and I think it's uh, an opportunity for the Friars to hit the reset button before they go back on the road. It doesn't get any easier to go to go face Butler on Saturday, a team that came to the dunk just a few weeks ago and really put a vice grip on them. But, uh, you know, the name of the game for the Friars is you got to hit and make shots. And they've struggled offensively for 
really, other than the first week of the season when they hung 100 points on Sacred Heart, that team has been nowhere near coming forward since then. And uh, I think the truth about this PC team is, is that, you know, nobody wants to play them defensively. Yeah. They get after you. But uh, the name of the game is putting the ball in the hoop, and that's an area the Friars have struggled immensely for the balance of the season. It is. I mean, you know, Villanova only scored 64 points against them. Uh, but Providence scores 60. You know, it's and it's when you watch some of these games, it's kind of similar to what you or I went through last year, where they're they're executing pretty well, they're getting the shots they want, and they're just not making them. And that's a tough, tough problem to solve. It's a tough problem to solve, but you know, it's you know the coaches can't go out and make shots. Exactly, and and you can't try harder to make shots. No, it's not like also the effort level. Yeah, you know, you, you don't want to hear about the, anything like that. It just the name of the game is. You got to hit baskets, and that's yep. been a uh, tough uh, mountain for the Friars to climb this season. And you know, if you're Ed Cooley and his staff, you can coach up the confidence level during yep. practice. Yep. You can do all the simulations. You can put four minutes on the clock and say, "We're down one. We got to do this." That's great and all, but it has to translate onto the court. Yep. And you know, for, for every coach that says we look great shooting the ball in practice, well. You know, it's uh, it's tough to really believe that when you get to the games and you all of a sudden you see Luan Pipkins take an ill-advised three after coming up with a huge tur- with a huge turnover, mm-hmm. or David Duke dribbling to traffic, losing the handle like he did against Villanova. It just comes down to the end of the day execution, and that's where the Friars are really falling short, particularly late in Big yeah. East, Big East games. Yeah, late in, yeah. You know, I said they they've been executing well and getting the shots they want. Late in games, kind of not doing that. They've, they've struggled a little bit there. Uh, and like you said, the schedule is tough. I mean, this Butler uh, on Saturday is the fourth straight top 25 team they're playing, and they've lost the first three. You know, it's. I think at this point, you, you're just trying to get hot, trying to make some shots, trying to get some confidence going and see what see what you can do into, uh, into February and March. One thing that did stood out to me during the uh, Villanova game is the play of Nate Watson. I thought it was his best game of the season. He uh, ended up with uh, 18 and 9. But he only had one point down the stretch, and I think Villanova realized we're just going to swarm him, double-team him, triple-team him, because why are we going to be concerned about the Friars' outside shooting? And to me, I thought going into this season, one of the big advantages the Friars had is that they had an offensive bull down low that they could feed, and maybe it would be more of an inside-outside game where you can kick it back out, shooters would be open, knock them down. It really hasn't been that way. Part of it is due to uh, Nate uh, getting off to a slow start due to a knee injury that kind of hampered him. Maybe for most of non-conference play, he's starting to get back into, I think, regular playing shape. And you saw that for the most part against Villanova. But during crunch time, he was basically limited to being an offensive rebounder, crashing the glass, and hopefully scoring that way. Yeah. So they're at Butler. The Friars are at Butler on Saturday. Uh, this is a th- Three, three out of their next four are on the road. Uh, they're home against Creighton Wednesday and then at Xavier at St. John's. The grind of the Big East it, uh, it makes, it makes it a little tough to get confidence going when you're struggling. But uh, you know maybe one of these will be the opportunity for the uh, Friars to get it going a little bit. But uh, we'll uh, transition now to uh, Bryant. And uh, you know just uh, when you thought Bryant had turned the corner, they had ended a four-game losing streak last Thursday against Wagner. They go on the road Saturday to Mount St. Mary's. Really shoot the ball incredibly well, but come up short. And now they are back on the road for two games this week against Robin Morris and St. Francis U, the old Pennsylvania uh, two-step. And, 
you know, one thing about uh, the schedule, it was really front loaded with home games. Like four out, of, like one, two, three, five out of your first six mm. were at the Chase Athletic Center. You only win twice yeah. in that span. So now all of a sudden you're really quote unquote chasing wins outside of your home building, and that's very difficult to do in college basketball. And but uh, that's the order that the uh, Bulldogs face. And but the good news is, I think we're starting to see the emergence of a nice core of freshmen. Michael Green, we have Benson Lynn, and uh, also uh, Charles Pride. It mean it seems like every other every other week one of them is wearing the NEC uh, Rookie of the Week mm-hmm. honor. So uh, kudos to uh, Jared Grasso for having a core going forward. But you like to see you know Adam Grant and maybe Iken and Aduba, you know veterans who have really been there, see them have a little bit of success because even though Bryant has matched their win total from a year ago, well they ten games they've already won yeah. ten. They're still kind of looking to get to that next level, and uh, they still have some time left in the season, just like the Friars. But uh, it's uh, you know you gotta start stringing together some W's sooner rather than later. And they've been close. I mean, four point game, four point loss, two point loss, four point loss, uh, three point loss. It's really the LIU. The fourteen point loss to them is the only rough one they've had in conference play. So they've been right there. They just gotta get over the hump in some of these games uh, as they head down the stretch here. So we'll uh, talk a little high school action, yes. and uh, I guess uh, you know we're getting down to the nitty gritty in terms of uh, the basketball scene. Well, you know it's the end of January, but uh, you know it seems every other week the girls have a three game week, the boys have yes. two. It seems, <laughs> and now the boys, uh, I think the boys have a two game week. It's a heavy uh, boys basketball slate on Thursday night. Yep. The girls will finish up their three game gauntlet tomorrow night, and uh, kind of a a big one last night in girls basketball. Uh, St. Ray's going on the road and defeating South Kingstown. Yeah, big win for them uh, and South Kingstown's first loss. You know, it had been SK, LaSalle, NK seemed to have emerged a little bit as the top three. NK had beaten St. Ray's um, first in the first matchup uh, of, a, of kind of big, big teams. Um, but St. Ray's now comes back and says, hey, you know, we, we can be in that top group too. Um, you know, they've got Amaya Dowdy, one of the best players in the state. Uh, and played terrific defense against South Kingstown, who, who sometimes does struggle to score and, and has to lean on its defense a little bit, uh, but but couldn't really get get it going against the Saints. Only 38 points. He lost. It was a 56-38 win for uh, St. Ray's. So first loss for the Rebels, who, uh, uh, you know, had really kind of dominated a lot of the competition early in the season. Had some closer games, but, you know, I saw them uh, on Monday against Barrington, a decent decent Barrington team, and they just pulled away, allowed two field goals in the second half. But their offense never really got it going, so um, you know you can see that, that that might be a little bit of an issue for them, and the Saints now put themselves into the into the conversation. Absolutely, and uh, this is our first podcast since uh, you saw uh, Henrik in North Kingstown. You know, obviously North Kingstown was up for a lot of that game, and uh, the Hawks made a furious charge at the end. Uh, just uh, your impressions of that one? Yeah, I think uh, you know NK feels like they let it slip away a little bit, being up twelve in the second half of that game. Uh, and just didn't didn't finish. You know, I think they had seven points in the last seven minutes of the game, which you really can't do. Uh, but they also they tipped their cap to Hendrickson's defense. I think the Hawks are kind of back to playing uh, the way Jamal Gomes likes, just frantic press, switching defenses, getting hands on on passes, everything like that, just deflections. Uh, that's what they've done for a long time. Regardless of what they have on the offensive end of the ball, that's their foundation, and and they're they're doing it well now. After their they had a loss to LaSalle, and I think that was kind of a, a little bit of a wake up call for them. Um, so they haven't lost since then. They they're rolling right now. They've got just the one loss. Um, and K to credit to them, you know, last year 
they lost to Hendrick, and that started a little bit of a slide for them, which they recovered from in yes. very impressive fashion. But this year, uh, no slide at all. They've bounced back since then, beat Mount Pleasant in a close one, beat Cranstonese, and then beat Classical in a little bit of a surprisingly close one. So NK has had a lot of close games. They've kind of showed their veteran uh, medal late to, to pull those ones out. Um, but yeah, you know, I think they're, they hope to be up there, Hendricken, Mount Pleasant, all those teams have one loss right now. And then LaSalle obviously, uh, beat Hendricken. So it's, it is a little, little more open than it may have been last year. I don't think there's a team that's, that's dominant. Even Hendricken, you know, they, they do play the great defense, but you know, and Sebastian Thomas is really good offensively. Other guys are still kind of looking for some contributions from, so, um, you know, so the, the door is open for, for somebody to make a run. Just uh, going to D3 basketball, uh, boys basketball scene. Uh, I was at uh, Lincoln versus Blackstone Valley Prep, Prep last Friday night. Battle of Division Three unbeatens. Both were 8-0 coming in, and uh, you would think a game of that magnitude would be close. It wasn't. Lincoln pasted the pride 64-45. Wow. And, uh, you know, it was really – it was a close game for maybe, you know, much, much of the first half, and then – Cody Anter, the uh, Lincoln High senior, he got a couple threes right before the half. Octavio Brito, maybe one of the top mm. handful of players, uh, best players in Division Three, he got hot as well. And I think uh, it was definitely a wake-up call for Blackstone Valley Prep, a team that uh, had, I think, on paper had more athleticism especially and more size than Lincoln. But, uh, you know, credit the Lions for really just taking it to it, uh, Blackstone Valley Prep and really emerge as a team to watch, not only just in D3, but maybe two in the Open State Tournament. Just, uh, you never know, you you know, you get one of those lower seeds. I was funny, I was talking to a couple of uh, coaches, and they, you know, from the D3 perspective, you really have to get your points now, mm-hmm. because uh, you're not obviously on the same plane as, say, a D2 team or a D1 team. You really have to rack them up now to feel good about your chances for the open prior to the divisional round. Yeah, and you know, like I was saying, a year where there isn't a dominant D one team, maybe that opens the door for somebody to make a run. Uh, I think you could see a number of Division two teams there as well. Division two just continues to be so tough. You know, you look at like a team like Prout; they play hard, they play good defense, little lacking in offense, and and just they just run through this gauntlet. They're two and nine now in Division two. Because it's just so, so tough. Westerly, Barrington, Cranston West, Portsmouth, Tolman, Shea, East Greenwich, all of those teams have eight wins or more uh, and have just been playing really well. Pilgrim has Tyreek Weeks now, Narragansett's always a good team. So D2 just continues to be uh, a pretty serious division. Uh, and I could see someone coming out of there and making a run in the, uh, in the state tournament. Well, we'll end our podcast with a couple of shout-outs. I'll begin with the uh, Shea and uh, Tolman baseball teams. Last week, they received a $6,000 grant to spend part of their April vacation going up to Cooperstown to see the Hall of Fame and play a game at a famous uh, double-day field. That should be a great experience for those kids. And uh, kudos to uh, Tolman head coach Theo Murray for uh, going through all the uh, channels to make something like happen and also to think enough to include uh, the fellow Pawtucket Public School to go on this uh, venture as well. Yeah, that's a pretty cool opportunity, definitely. Uh, and I'll, I'll give a shout-out to uh, South Kingstown's Faith Hutchins. Received her All-America honor uh, for, for soccer. She went down to Baltimore a couple weeks ago um, to, to actually receive the honor at the, uh, the coaches' convention down there and the award ceremony. 
Uh, it's pretty cool for her. One of only, uh, I think, I think the team, the all American team, that particular one is, is not, not a huge team. Some all American teams, it's 400 yes. kids. <laughs> uh, this one was, was a pretty, pretty serious, uh, pretty great honor for her. The, uh, the goalie for the rebels who led them to the state championship and, uh, also a basketball star and a softball star. She is, uh, quite, quite the athlete, uh, in her senior year. And she'll be looking for a few more championships as she, uh, as she uh, heads into the winter here and then, and then the spring. Yep. See, speaking of which, we will wrap it up and we will back. We will be back soon with a fresh podcast, looking at all the college basketball scene. It's uh, getting down to the nitty gritty time and also in Rhode Island high school basketball as well. And February means postseason with, I think, in consecutive weeks, you have indoor track state meet and then you have swimming and wrestling the same day. Yep. Getting into that time of year, that busy time of year. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening.